You're not listening. You're not listening to the shameless goat. The shameless goat. The shameless goat. Getting ready for another episode of Shameless Ghost Podcast. We have a very special guest today. We have the former vice mayor of the city of Miami Gardens, Vice Mayor Erebor Godaro. Hello, hello, hello. Dalu. Hey. So what is that actually? (laughs) What's going on? What's going on? I'm here with my homies, as they say. (laughs) Shameless Ghost. Shameless Ghost. All right. Oh, God, tell us where you're from. I originally was born in Benin City, uh, Nigeria. I okay. was a student athlete, played basketball for Adobe Beads in Benin and junior national basketball, and I was created to play basketball in the United States. Uh, been here over 25 years, and uh, uh, great to be a part of this community of uh, diaspora. We have a rich uh, African diaspora community in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the former president of the Nigerian American Foundation. All right. Uh, so I'm I'm doing it, and uh, with your help, we'll we'll take you to the next level. Yeah, Absolutely. you definitely are doing it. We help you can make it to the next level. And what are some of the things you did before you got to the Miami Garden City Council? Uh, I, I'm a teacher, a uh, public school teacher, taught at Norland Middle School in Norland, Miami Norland Shout City High School. Vikings. The Vikings, Vikings. <laughs> the yeah, go Vikings. Vikings. I was a Spartan, so I don't know what Oh, watch yourself. You, you are numbered, man. <laughs> just, just be, you, you be silent or you, you, you risk the risk. I'm catching your hands. And a college professor at Florida Moore University, oh, I, teach, I taught criminal justice. I still do teach criminal justice at Miami Dade College and Florida Moore University. I'm also a pastor in the church of Miami Gardens African Methodist Episcopal Church. All right. Yes. Man, we get down on this show. (laughs) So we got we gonna hold our. I'm gonna hold my language back. Uh, I'm gonna try to pastor. You have grace for the next thirty minutes. I'm gonna try. (laughs) Okay, so that's good. Um, so tell us about what you're doing now. Like, give the people because you know it's not too often we speak to people of politicians. So we want to know like the the actual person, not just the politician. I'm a I'm a regular guy, you know. I never mm-hmm. thought I had any interest in politics until mm-hmm. I met in college uh, a mentor of mine, the late Dr. Robert Ingram, was mayor of Opelika. Yeah, took me, I remember him. You remember him? He was mm-hmm. a brilliant guy. Took me under his wings and got me into politics. He was a family man. He was a pastor as well as my pastor. Um, he actually married me. I'm married to a beautiful Bohemian. Uh, Queen uh, yes. Shannon, yes, sir. yes, yes. <laughs> Queen Shannon, <laughs> and she's running for city council in Miami Gardens right now. She's just right. been endorsed by all the major organizations. Uh, she's so she's gonna win. We have beautiful twin daughters. Yeah, I seen the girls. Uh, yeah, they're just, just turning fourteen, and uh, man, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. So that's me. That's happy, good. Happy to hear that. I'm that's good. That so. Too. So right now you're you have a election coming up on the the 18th of 18th, August. 18th of August, All but right. voting actually started already. Those of you that live in the boundaries of Miami Gardens, Miramar, Opelika, hmm. Pembroke Pines, Pembroke Park, West Park, uh, Miami Gardens, of course. If you, those of you who have voted for me in the past, I want to. I want to give a shout out to the Agbegbe's. I won't be elected without them. This is, a, this is a household of voters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mom is being serial. Sir has been uh, 
uh, helping us and uh, dad, uh, Chief Agbegbe. Yeah. I want to uh, thank you so much uh, for the work you're doing. And uh, I won my first election in Miami Gardens in 2014 with the highest amount of votes in the history of the city. Wow. When people said I couldn't win, was That's this good. guy with a funny name. <laughs> uh, That's good. How do you say your last name? Everybody? Yeah. Erobo is my first name. Igo Daro. There you go. There you go. Igo Daro. Oladipo. Ogunlade. 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 I can pronounce that. Yeah. Yes. But if you can't pronounce the name, just the guy, the name you can't pronounce. Vote for that guy. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that you were the former vice mayor of the city of Miami Gardens. And the guy who has term limited, Senator Oscar Brennan, he used to be a vice mayor of yes. Miami Gardens. Yes. So this is kind of trying to keep that Senate seat in the city of Miami Gardens. What is it, District 35? D- District 35, yeah. Right. He's a brilliant guy. He's following politics. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I look at the numbers. This is a heavily uh, concentrated Miami Gardens seat. All right. Uh, what the, are some of the boundaries in this seat? This, this seat, again, you go the farthest north is Pembroke Pines, Pines Boulevard. All right. So you're going south to 87th Street of Open. West of uh, south of Opelika. All right. Yeah. So um, west, you gotta go to Northeast Sixth Avenue, and uh, that's east. West is about Sixty Seventh Avenue. It's a big district. That's pretty big. That yeah. is pretty big. So now, now I'm unlike Peter. I'm someone who's not particularly into politics. So for somebody like myself who's not particularly into politics, like, why should we be interested in politics? Oh, listen, uh, mm. I asked the same question of my mentor a long time ago. I, he gave me the analogy of a basketball player because I'm an athlete, so he, I can understand. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the game, you can't win. Yeah. You got to be in the game to win. Yeah. Mm. And it, you, you know, so those, most of you are athletes. I see all your buffed young men. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you got not only being the game, you got to be in the top of your game. Yeah. You know, Dennis Rodman was uh, one of the best rebounders in the league. But mm. if they could get into Dennis Rodman's head, he's going to foul out. He's going to be on the bench. He can't mm. do nothing while he's on the bench. Right. You know, so your talent is wasted not only because you're not a player, but you're not in the game. No, no something that's really, really funny about uh, what you were talking about, yeah. uh, you being into basketball, mm. we were thinking about things to talk about. We were like... Is he into basketball? Sure. So it's so funny that you're an actual <laughs> basketball player. So what yeah, I want to exactly. do, I want to tie in the basketball with something that's going on right now. Right. So because of the uh, COVID and yeah. everything going on right now, the NBA is about to open again. Yes. Like, how do you feel about things opening again, whether it's the NBA, NFL, schools, yeah. anything like that? This, I can say, hell no. Absolutely. For which part? I, I, all of them. For all, For all of them. them. I'm not, listen, I, my first obligation is to take care of God's people. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm my father. I would not be sending my child to nobody's school. Absolutely, it is not safe. We're using political agendas to control the decisions that we make. Mm. Uh, It is just for political expedience that the president and the state governor, Florida, is pushing us back. This this whole thing spiked. Because we rushed back in the economy too mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, reopening everything. We reopened too soon. And uh, we're leading the, the, not only the nation, the world now in the number of infections. And, right. You know, so we, but just to play yeah, devil's advocate, yeah, Vice yeah, Mayor. Yes. So we do know that a lot of people, tons of people, millions of people, we just set records. So many people lost jobs 
when this COVID happened. Yes. And we need people need to go back to, to work. A lot of people don't have the savings to just sit it out. So how do you balance that as a decision maker with health as well? Because it's important, but people need their money too. It's a good it's a good introspective question, young man. But listen, first of all, life is most important. How much money can you spend? You know how many people I've in the Nigerian community, you know how many people were buried in mm-hmm. this community recently. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we gotta follow the signs. It it makes sense to do it to contain this disease. Mm-hmm. So that you take care of it once and for all, yeah. rather than have it in the long term, we're going to cost us more money. Hmm. You know, so we have to make sure, science is telling us that we need to have at least 33,000 th- tests per day in Florida. Hmm. We're only doing 9,000. Wow. And the, go- and the president of the United States said, we shouldn't be testing because if we test, we're going to get more positive. <laughs> what kind of sense is that? Now that's yeah. yeah. That's I, I, I think he just, you know, he's trying to win. He, he wants it to look better for his re-election chances. Like it's not as out there as it is. Of course. We got we to gotta protect one another, man. I'm, you know, like I said, I don't want to preach, but this is the plague of our time. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. We got to think of it like that. I, I don't feel like they're attacking black people. I think this disease was created. That's just my yes. mindset. Yeah. No, no, they, you know, they, you're not far-fetched. And then mm-hmm. they're going ahead and testing it in Africa. Like, you're not far-fetched. How did we come to this idea that Africa is who we're going to test, you know, the vaccinations on it. You know, oh, like, that's where someone, they, they want to test it in Africa? I didn't hear. Yeah, I so, saw that so post. They, they're actually testing it already. Oh, they are. The vaccinations in Africa. Wow. And, and I didn't know that. So I feel like they're trying to get rid of us. It's, it's not <laughs> far-fetched. Listen, we, we, those of you who follow, I'm a student of black history. Mm. I taught. Me too. I was taught by the best at Florida Moore, the home of Lift Every Voice and Sing. Listen. If you know anything about black history, Tuskegee experiment was orchestrated by yeah. the government. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's not far-fetched for you to make this leap in hmm. judgment. Because hmm. uh, we know that, at least science is telling us that the origins of this current virus is from China. Absolutely. Right? And, and we know that there is a huge move to depopulate the, the world's population. Absolutely. See, that I can see, but I don't know if it's targeted towards black people like Mike said. Well, well why is it um, disproportionately affecting us then? So, I, I think like, because a lot, of, a lot of resources weren't here for us to, to try to get healthy. Like, they weren't ha- we have the Hard Rock Stadium, thank God, but a lot of other communities, not Miami Gardens, that don't have former you know, Senate representation, they weren't opening up testing sites there. They weren't helping people to get healthy. But to there. your original point about healthcare, I, to answer Mike's question, I think a lot of that could be because we lack healthcare in our community. A lot of people who have uh, pre-existing conditions, pre-existing conditions, or people who um, who got infected and couldn't recover, they have a lot of uh, uh, what's that thing called vitamin D deficiency. It's, it's a whole bunch of things that could be the reason to why. Black people are disproportionately affected worse by it. And it doesn't mean that we are being targeted. But but I also feel like, again, back to what I said earlier, this is something that was created. So when you create it, you have a, a vision in mind as to what you wanted to happen with the, with the disease. And it know? could have been created. I'm just saying it, that doesn't mean it was targeted for black well, people. Well, hell, it's, it's, it's affecting us the most. Why not the, Spanish people like that? Why not, and, you know, and that, was, that was the answer to what you just said. Because, again, remember... 
we have ailments and meaning sicknesses, but a lot of poor white people do too. You know, it's a lot of yeah. trash white people. And it's a lot of, you know, I'm, I mean, hillbilly. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, but why is it affecting us the most? Because of the things at, I just said. At the end of the day, it does not matter what the intentions were. The outcome is obvious. Yeah. We are disproportionately affected. So, so, to, so, so you got to look at, and I, I concede to your point, because we, in every indices of, social maladies in this country black people are always at the worst exactly you know in terms of jobs in terms of uh you know opportunity opportunities the health care you know look at they said in it's called in the parlance of the street if when the economy catches the cold black folks get the pneumonia right we're the the first to be last to be hired and the first to be fired you know look at how many people are suffering from homelessness you know how many of us don't have jobs you know, look at the issues of diabetes and cancer, how it's disproportionately affecting us. Mm. It is when you have a system that is in place institutionally absolutely designed to oppress people. Because mm. that is what this is all about. Mm. Racism is alive and well yeah, in this country. Is. This country was that's the original sin. Yeah, Until we is. resolve and deal with that, you know, and so make sure what do you that think we, are some of the solutions to that. Education is one, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I was just telling, talking to some people yesterday. In 1994 was when the state of Florida passed legislation to teach African and African-American history. That's over a century of public education. That means we've not been taught the history of ourselves. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Until today, that legislation has not been followed, you know. So if you have a system where people are not thought about who they are, and many of our kids don't really understand with the self-confidence that comes out of that. Yeah. Um, and but you're promoting white privilege, mm-hmm. you know, white as the dominant culture. Every child, there's been research and science, scientific studies that have been done over the last 50 years that show that white kids and black kids hmm. consistently think of black children as less than white kids. And that's so funny. You know, I have a daughter, right? So she was at her cousin's house, and he had a daughter as well. Mm-hmm. She was about three. My daughter at the time was about four. Happened about three, four months ago. And they were playing, and they had a baby doll. And um, the white right. the white baby doll is what they were fighting over. So mm-hmm. when we gave them a black baby doll, they didn't want it. That's right. And it's crazy, because I've seen in a lot of studies, a lot of videos, and it's the same thing. Doll test. Remember the yeah, doll Brown test? Yeah, Brown versus Board. That's right. That's right. 1964. And, and that was not only 50 years ago. They replicated the study about two, four or five years ago. The same phenomenon is still occurring in our community. That's crazy. Our kids don't know who they are. Yeah, and like when you were talking about education, I learned more about black history after I graduated from school. When 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 we went to the history classes, the part on black history was so small. Like <laughs> like all they of black history was was in ten pages. <laughs> it, they pages. That's all of black history until until I graduated and then I started reading on my own and learning on my own and then it's like wow, there there's so much they didn't teach us. And then you go through and it's sometimes growing up, there's a little bit of an identity crisis because I don't have I don't have a sense of myself and all the great things that mm. people who look like me have accomplished. Mm. It's are only they with slavery. Mm. Yeah, they, yeah, they have five, five of the 15 pages are on slavery mm. and then they'll have a, a page on Rosa Parks. And then and that's Michael it. Mix. They don't they don't teach you about yourself. And I, w- I wish that 
that the education they can teach more of different people's cultures in education so that people can have a better sense of their own identity and their self-worth but peter you you gotta understand our listeners gotta understand these dynamics especially those of you who don't live in america mm. or who probably don't understand the dynamics of race mm. The powerful don't teach the powerless how to take their power from them. Absolutely. It doesn't make it's not it doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. Yeah, is it is this racism is a is a relationship based on power dynamics. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to teach you about who you are when I know that that was going to free your mind yeah. from the oppressive condition that I want you to be in? Yeah. So we got to change that. In over a hundred and fifty years of public education. We're still in the position we're in. It is because the education system is working for the benefit of the oppressor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, speaking with identity, something that we've been trying to figure out how to do on our podcast is to explain our Nigerian identity, like yeah. have a, a Nigerian pod. So have you ever had uh, trouble with your identity when you came here being Nigerian? Of course, every day. You know, <laughs> they, they tell me when I started running for politics, they said that, uh, we, we think you have all the pedigree, you have the qualifications, you have the experience, but we, you have an impediment. You have a funny name. That's funny. Hmm. You got to change hmm. your name in order to win. No. But I'm, I'm glad that I had a mentor, the late Dr. Robert Ingram. And Florida Moore said, man, don't let, you got to know who you are. Don't let nobody change your name. We want to get to be like you, Africans. Mm -hmm. Right. He said, remember, Absolutely. you're Kunta Kinte, you're not Toby. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you got to know who you are. Don't change who you are. And, and you have all of those every day. They remind me, they try to remind me of who I am not. Yeah. I'm a child of God. I, I, you know, I came here as a man hmm. that was raised as a free man. Hmm. That's so true. Nobody's going to put me in any box. Like when I was younger, so everybody would say, my name's Eugene, Eugene, Eugene. And that's because. My, that was my father. That was my father's doing, saying, my, our name is Eugene. And then he told us, he was like, yo, your name is actually Ejene. Now, mm -hmm. And so I, was, I knew that growing up, but I never corrected people until one day I was just speaking to some friends. He was like, yo, first of all, Ejene sounds way better than Eugene. And you're mm -hmm. not, you know, you're not Eugene. So why mm -hmm. not just tell people what it really is? Mm -hmm. And then ever since at whatever point in the time, I started, you know, telling people, hey, you know what? It's actually Ejene. I know I, we were saying Eugene, but that was because... When my dad came here, he was trying to fit in. Yeah. And, and when he came with his cousin, he did a, a even more extreme. He changed his whole last name. Like, he changed his last name <laughs> from what it is, from what it's supposed to be, until he took his father's first name as his last name. Wow. And so he has an English last name. But it's like, yo, you're obviously not English. And so I see that identity struggle. And uh, since that time, you know, I've been pushing, like, yo, this is how you say my name. Um uh, and I've just been more Nigerian. See, you at know, that I point. think I think too. You know, times have changed. I remember growing up where um, it used to be. You know, you they condemned you for being different. You know, being mm. African yeah. or being Haitian. Mm. Yeah. If you're a Haitian, you ain't African cat. booty scratch. African <laughs> booty scratch. So, you know, <laughs> but I had a slick ass mouth, so I was like, listen, <laughs> at least I know where I came from. Yeah. Your daddy was a slave. Like that was just my mentality. You know, but I was real vocal with it, but um. Uh, I think now, you know, times have changed, you know, now we're accepting who we are. We understand that this is not our country. You know, we are here by force. And at the same time, I mean, it's not so bad over there. They look, they live in quite well, you know. Totally. So, yeah, I think but, people but start bad. to uplift the, 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 the African diaspora. Once you get out of, you know, the youthful stuff and you're learning and kids can be mean. Once you get out of that, it seems like people start to uplift African culture. They say, hey, 
Nigerians are the most educated in the country. And they look at all this stuff and people say, wow, Nigerian culture, your your family system is working. So many of you guys have educations. How is it? Because sometimes for me going through school, the higher you get in school, the fewer people that look like you are mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, how can we replicate our culture in a broader community? I'd like to still have tons of other people as I get higher and higher and higher. See, I, I want to go back. I, I'll, I'll address that. But I think um, when we must exploit the teaching opportunities or teachable moments that mm-hmm. we have. You know, I know you were a child, but sometimes you got to understand where people are in terms of their mentality. Yeah. And you don't you don't begin to fight your own brother. Yeah. Or calling your brother name because they, pastor. They don't understand <laughs> where you are. Or they don't know Absolutely. where you came from. <laughs> what they say, what they say is what they have been taught. Mm-hmm. You know, many of them have never been to Africa. They've been, they've seen Tarzan movies, and yeah. they think that's that's what it is. Yeah, you nah, know, I so that's safari. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yo, let that, me cut you off for one second. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had a girlfriend who actually said that to me. I, I told her a story about going to Lion King, uh, Lion Country Safari, hmm. and she literally said to me, "Oh, because your mom wanted to feel like she was back home." Yo, it took wow. Hey, so it took oh everything my. in me not to just strangle this girl, bro. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. No, 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 no. I, I think the point you were making too about your wow. name, Edgina, is a beautiful. You know how many? I'm not just talking about blacks, whites who have come to me. They want to adapt African names. They want to yeah. go over China, go around the world. You see, I just do Google search of people outside of the African continent that want to claim the rich African cultures. Hmm. They're right. dressing, they're speaking, they teach Yoruba in Harvard. Yeah. And they can't even teach the University of Benin in Nigeria. And they got to right? go to the University yeah. of Florida so, too. So you got, you got to appreciate Barack Obama did not hide from who he was yeah. to good. compromise to become a president of the United States. In fact, he even added Hussein. He said, I'm Barack. When they were trying to castigate him as a Muslim, he yeah. said, no. Barack Hussein Obama. People like you when they may not really like you, but they respect you. Yeah, I agree. If you're authentic yeah. to who you are. I agree. So stay true to who you are. All day. Yeah, and even <laughs> all that, that Muslim stuff, all this stuff where people have this other mentality. I had a job where I worked in the, the legal department for uh, the largest Muslim nonprofit in the state of Florida, the Council on American Islamic Relations of Florida. And they did a lot of civil rights work. I saw mm-hmm. it as the NAACP for Muslims. Mm-hmm. And when I went to different events, you go to masjid, you go to all these stuff, you tell people about their rights. And I see the little kids when we're done, the little children are running around the ballrooms and stuff. And I'm like, man, that was me as a kid. Mm-hmm. That's me and Michael mm-hmm. running around playing but when people don't get opportunities to see other people, you only see the differences that are on TV and movies and all the stereotypes. When that's all you see, it, it makes you, it makes some people feel like the wrong way because there's nothing wrong with all of our differences. There's nothing wrong with Muslims or Christians or anyone. People just need to learn more people and be more and understand them more. Right. I, 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 absolutely. You know, this This is what America, American genius was built on that. Yeah, it's a melting pot. Bringing, I, I like to call it a salad bowl, not a melting pot. All right. 
you, you don't melt everything in you to become somebody else. Right. Salad has its own uniqueness. Mm -hmm. They all come together to make it what it is. Yeah. But I, 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 I think America is great because they've been able to harness the talent of the world mm. to make sure we are who we are as Americans. Mm. So, you know, if you look at how business works, you see how mergers are happening now between global uh, industry giants. Mm. They know how, what, to, what it means to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And those of you who follow uh, Nigerian music, collabo, right? You say, I want to collabo with this guy. I want to yes. collab. They know how to harness the talent of different, because it makes sense. Diversity mm. pays. When the uh, Vito can sing a song in Yoruba and Igbo, mm. and people can relate to that, that's a market that is expanded yep. for him and the, for the music industry. So they know, it makes sense to, to really know how to harness and bring people together. Yeah, and the more skills, just like in sports, the more yeah. you can do on the field, the more effective you can be. I mean, if you got strength on the basketball court, if you got speed, if you got a jump shot, the more, more talents you have, the more you can do. Now, I want to um, switch topics real quick. Right. Um, I know as far as you, you know, running for office, yes. Um, with everything that was going on that transpired after the whole George Floyd. Yeah, incident, that was crazy. Um, the, you know, and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna. All of those situations and, you know, the whole trying to... Burn down the country. <clears throat> what was your thoughts on that? Did you go out and protest? Like, um, Of course I did protest. Mm -hmm. But like Barack said, don't, don't boo vote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Use the power that is within you. I'm not saying protest don't... I, I believe, like I said, I'm a student of the Bible, and, and I believe the marches, when, Jesus, when God said, march around the walls of Jericho, and the walls came down. I mm. believe that. When the civil rights movement started, and Dr. King was saying, we're going to do protest march, and boycott, yeah. it worked, right? But I'm saying the political um, process must be exploited to the benefit of our people hmm. many of us don't vote say our vote don't count yes if you don't vote you don't count yeah you know so you got to make sure that what the system you, you, you got to get in the house to be able to fix the problem yeah so we got to get in we have to find how to elect people like you young people i i, I approached this young brother and said listen i want you to run for my seat yeah and he was making all kind of excuses <laughs> you know um I, when i got on the i got on the city council the first thing i did because i have boards i have to appoint people yeah i appointed chief joseph abadi to one of our major boards in the city of miami Garden, the most powerful board mm -hmm. uh he serves on and i asked him to run for all this saying no, i'm shying away from that you know so you no nope, i had no models you know, I, I, there was no matter in this community for me to follow, but I, because God put it in me and Dr. Ingram nurtured that, hmm. I said, hey, I got to, I got to play this game to the highest level. Yeah. I, I always yeah. tell people like when, when the election's over, I know some people who didn't vote in the presidential election and then I saw them complaining. And for me, if you didn't vote, don't complain. Yeah. Like, shut your yeah, like you got to participate. <laughs> you have to do something like why wait until the outcome you don't like and then spend four years or eight years complaining about a situation that you could have tried to work to change. So I always encourage people to get out and vote instead of, instead of don't just complain. Like I know another issue that people had on their minds was the, the, the officers, the officer in the George Floyd situation and 
defunding the police. Yeah, some mm-hmm. people want to defund police departments. What do you think about one? What do you think they're trying to express when they say defund the police department? And then what do you think about that idea of maybe police reform in general? I said my doctorate is in conflict resolution. I know how to fix problems. I don't mm-hmm. create problems. I think you know the frustration from our young people and many people who are talking about defunding police is yeah. because of the historic uh, vestiges of racism yeah. in the country. We got to change it. I, I don't think it is the intention to make us have a society that doesn't have law and order. Yeah. Nobody wants nobody that. Nobody wants anarchy. No, 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 nobody wants that. But well, they want I to make say nobody. They, 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 <laughs> they nobody. No, 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 but nah, they, they, nobody they, wants that. No, 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 real, no real no thinking that. person want to no. have a society. You want to protect your family. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, you want you want you to have a safe environment. I'm not I'm uh, not saying that I want that. Yeah. But I have heard people say that they want complete anarchy. They don't know what they're thinking. Uh, and uh, I agree with that. They don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I teach criminal justice and I I think you have to. I, I have a model. You know, you have it's. You know, it's three. You gotta look at three dimensions of tr- translational, the transactional, and the trans transformational models right. of how you fix this problem. Mm. One is you gotta look at how we talk about one another. It's not us versus police. Mm. You know, many of our young people. I I taught at Norland Middle School. I was the law academy of law uh, lead teacher there. I mentored them to mm-hmm. go into law enforcement. They followed me to Florida and Moore, and now are police officers. That's good. Many of them live in our community. They make a living out of law enforcement. That's good. We have, you know how many percentage of uh, judges in this country are blacks? Less not than 3%. Yeah, not a lot. So you, on the front, on the back end, we are almost 55% in the, in the prison population. Yep. And you're going to go face somebody that don't look like you in the courtroom. Hmm. Are you... Why do you think they're going to be sympathetic to your needs? But you know what's it, funny? It, when I worked at Miami Dade, which right. I'm sorry to cut you off, um, I worked in the School of Justice as an admissions advisor, and I saw a lot of black people working to do corrections. Hmm. But the majority of people who applied for the police department and who were applying for those positions were all Spanish and white. Hmm. And so it made no sense to me that, you know, we're policing our own people, you know, almost like house niggas in, in, mm. in in, in jail, but when it comes to, you know, mm. being on the streets, the mm. people who make the arrests, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they don't look like us. Right, right. And right. that's something I always felt like, you know, I started applying. I said, I can't, like you said before, you can't change the house if you're not in it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen, in, in Miami Gardens, we had our own gaffes. Yeah. Um, when I got on the council about eight years ago, we found out all of the police, Almost 70% of the police officers that we had at the inception of the city were from out of state. Mm-hmm. They didn't leave here. Mm-hmm. That was a problem. We, we had to intentionally put a recruitment program to make sure we hire residents of Absolutely. Miami Gardens. That's the, every tenant they of call that po- police, community policing, community policing yeah. speaks to that. You know, and we saw some, some movement because you know, if you have somebody that looks like you and somebody that knows the neighborhood... Yeah. You you you're more comfortable with giving out information. They're not talking about no snitching and all this stuff mm-hmm. because they feel like you're part of the community. Well, the four of us right. agree or seem to agree right. that we shouldn't defund the police. So I'll play devil's advocate. So, so no, hold on. Devil's advocate on defunding yeah, so the I, police. Yeah, I'll play devil's advocate on defunding the police. So what do you say for people who argue that if you take some money away from the police, you can put it into social issues? Concerning black people or, or our communities, 
I, I guess you're gonna you're gonna have to tell me um, how do you do public safety with less police officers? One in Miami Gardens, for instance, for the size of our city, we should have about 290 police officers. Wow. We only have 211. So when you're strained by the lack of capacity in terms of personnel, and you wonder why people are calling the police and cannot get answers because people are still going to call for help. They're yeah. still going to be crying. Yeah. Right? How, how do you address a major social policy without having capacity to, to address it? That's one. But in, in terms of the real question, I think people are looking at why do we not have enough educators, hmm. social workers, counselors, you know, so, um, social providers in our community? Right. I think it's not an either or, right? Right. The argument, I think, that, that on the score, what they're trying to say is we need social health. We need social services. And you're saying you don't think you should take money away from the police to do those things. What, why are you focusing narrowly on that? When you know we're strained. I just give you an yeah, example you say, well, of a supposed city. To have we're 290 strained. and you yeah, said we're, we're at 211. We're already strained. <laughs> right. We're right. supposed to have 290. Right. You probably found probably the issue, the, the solution is properly. You got to transform the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We're not properly funding our schools. Mm, right. You know. So that, that's, that to me is the issue. <laughs> Instead of the money going to, you know, a lot of these cops and all the extra budgets they have, because they have very, very large budgets. So you do agree with defunding the yeah, police? Yeah, I'm not saying that you, you get rid of the police or eradicate the idea of, of having a police station or a police department. I'm saying you take some of those resources and you put them in other um, areas. You know, there's... In black neighborhoods, there's a lot of resources that we're lacking, you know, whether it's um, after school yeah. um, activities, um, youth um, centers. It's just things that can that the black community can do with the money better than. And even look at it like this. A lot of like back to what he was saying about how 70 percent of the police officers didn't live in Miami Gardens or they're from they're from different states. Out of state. When they get these jobs that pay 40, 50, 60, 70,000, 100,000, they go back to Pembroke Pines or Weston and, they, and, mm-hmm. and, and pay taxes there. So how does that even help us in our own community? Right. So I, I, I get what you're saying. So to me, I think that the response to that is, well, where are the parts of the police that are being overfunded? Like if, you, if you're going to tell me that we should take money away from anything, there has to be a logical reason why. It can't, to me, in my opinion, I don't think you take money from something because you're saying that, hey, look what happened to George Floyd. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like where exactly, specifically, are the problems with the police you, you, department? You, you're asking the, the right intelligent question. Mm-hmm. I think most people will, will follow the defunding kind of argument. They've not looked at the numbers mm-hmm. that I just Absolutely. gave you, right? It's almost like I'm a public school teacher. I'm a believer in public education. Yeah. Right, but I also understand there's room for public-private partnership. So the idea of not supporting private schools because of the assertion that you de- you're taking money from public education to fund pi- private schools, I think is a false choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a room 
for everyone to thrive if we properly fund education in the state of Florida. Right. So if you properly fund education, you will not, if you have counselors, we used to have counselors in schools. Hmm. It doesn't, you don't have to defund the police to take money from police. Right. Especially when you know police is already strained. In our city, for instance, maybe there are some other departments hmm. across the country that may have robust or fat a police department. I'm not talking to that issue. Right, right, Those right. issues. I'm not about what I know in Miami God. So yeah. one more devil's advocate point. Right. This, again, this is not my point, but this is something that I've heard. All right. It's been argued that the police is based on a racist system, and therefore you cannot have a system that's inherently racist. Therefore, if you constantly reform, reform, hmm. you'll still get the same outcome of racial inequality in the police. What do you say to that? You're going to have to change, destroy the system of America. Every mm -hmm. system in America, if you look at the judicial system, mm -hmm. if you look at the medical field, if you look at education, is dominated by not black folks. Right. Mm -hmm. So why are, you, why are you just focusing on police? Yeah. So you have, to, you have to do a systemic overhaul of the power dynamics in all disciplines. In America, if, you, if that's your logic, if that's your argument. I, I agree. The funny, that actually was a part of my response when I heard that. I was like, yeah, well, the whole thing's racist, so why you're going to just shut down the entire country and build it all up? Like, you can't do that. That's an impractical thing. I think the best thing is to reconstruct, but you can't just completely just you, destroy you, you, you can You can't. Let, let me say, I, I know what criminal justice is about. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I teach it. You can train dogs and canine to do things right. you mean you can train human beings mm. these police officers there's a way you can recruit the best talents right there's a way you can identify it's supposedly they're supposed to go through the psychologicals mm. that tells you that the psychologist is not working yeah right they should be able to weed out those bad cops mm -hmm. they shouldn't be high in the first place and that's one of the reasons why many blacks could not enter the police force because they were weeded out mm -hmm. because of those psychological tests. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. So there has to be a way to do better recruitment, better training, and better accountability that will make police... The way it was originally designed to be was public service, mm -hmm. not crime fighting. Mm. You know, so we gotta, we got to reorient it ourselves. And... So, and, and for me, part of that is it's a budgetary issue. You have so many people fighting for a limited pie. And I think Miami Gardens was incorporated in 2005. Three. Three? All right, 2003. And then after we became a city, a couple years later, we got a police department. A couple years later, the statistics changed around Miami Gardens. But when people were complaining before, we didn't. it was unincorporated Miami-Dade County. We didn't have specific tailor in representation. We didn't have someone in the house who came from us we didn't mm -hmm. have someone in the senate who came from us who can go there and try to get legislation and bring home some pork mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. for me that's why people need to get in the game don't just complain don't boo vote <laughs> <laughs> people need to get in the game very that's very that's true. how you get a piece of the pie that's right. that's very, very true so i know you gotta go i want to just end it off by you know thank you for being here thank you vice uh, mayor oh also my mom she's from middle state she's uh oh, Eastern. My, if I, if yeah, I, Eastern. <laughs> so uh thank you Augusta. <laughs> thank you appreciate you appreciate you and it's been the shameless goats all right thank you all for listening god bless you